Good morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Psalm chapter 73. Congratulations, graduates. You've made it through a lot of years of schooling. And you're moving on to a, a new, next step, whether it's college or the military or wherever you are going. But wherever you go, you, you're going to be faced with big questions, difficult questions even. And I think I can say this fairly definitively that even if you're not graduating this morning, you're going to be faced with big and difficult questions in this world. Things that are, are hard to understand. This morning in Psalm chapter 73, there is a question posed that I think we, we all need to answer. Is following God really worth it? Is following God really worth it, or is it just a waste of time? This psalm is written by a worship leader, of Israel, and he's not only asking an intellectual question, but one that is causing him serious spiritual disorientation. Where what he believed about following God was no longer true to what he was seeing in the world. The audio was no longer matching up with the video. And that's, that's the root of our doubts, isn't it? If you think of uh, Peter, when he goes out to, to walk on the water, Jesus calls him out onto the water, and, and Peter hears him and steps on out of the boat. But as he sees the waves and the storm, what happens? The video starts to overwhelm the audio, and he was filled with fear and doubt. And here in Psalm 73, Asaph is questioning. He is doubting whether or not following God has been worth it. If faithfully following God has been worth it or it has been a waste of time. That's the question I hope we'll answer this morning. So what we'll do is I'm going to read Psalm 73. I'll pray and then we'll, we'll meditate on this, this text. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore, as people turn back to them and find no fault in them, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. 
then I discern their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our God and Father, as we consider your word for us, may we have confidence that you are good to us. And we may hold on to that forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Asaph starts this psalm with a direct statement of truth. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. This is something he would have heard as the the believers gathered. This is something that he would have probably even led them in worship, saying, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Truly, God is, is good to his children. Each of us could come up here and tell stories of how God has been good to us. We could, we could recall hymns and passages and sermons that we had heard about how good God is to his children. But this statement of truth is a, a statement in conflict. He's, he's struggling with this truth. It is a, a source of spiritual disorientation or something that just, where the audio doesn't match up with the video In verse 2, he talks about how his his feet had almost stumbled, how his steps nearly slipped. This is a picture of someone who was on the verge of walking away from his faith, walking away from God. He, He was struggling here with severe doubts. This is not just a high school student going off to college and and having to deal with religion 101. This is our pastor Mike. This is their pastor Mike. And he's, he's struggling with this. What is causing such doubt in this believer's life? Asaph is struggling because he is seeing something that does not make sense with what he had learned. The wicked are prospering. He's looked at his own life. He's looked at the, the lives of the people around him. And what he's seeing is that the people that have rejected God, reject the Bible, reject basic morality, are growing in influence. Their wealth increases. They don't seem to be sick as often. They get all the blessings. And he looks at his own life, his own faithfulness, and he sees suffering and struggle and difficulties. Disorientating. When Asaph says says that they are prosperous, this is not just low-level prosperity. This is one of the like 12 Hebrew words that anyone might know. It's shalom. This is the, the covenant blessing of peace and prosperity uh, in all senses of life. This is like kakuna matata, but better. 
and it's promised to those who are faithful. And so Asaph says here to the congregation, the shalom of the wicked, the blessing of God to the wicked. That would have been difficult to hear. They would have said, no, no, no. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will they receive the kingdom. But that's not what they're experiencing, and that's not often what we experience. It's not the way we were taught in Sunday school. It's not what we heard in youth group. It's not what we heard on Sunday mornings. And so it's, we have to ask ourselves, has it been worth it? If the wicked are prospering, has it been worth it to follow God? Has it been worth it to be faithful? He goes through uh, verses 4 through 12, and he, he describes the wicked. I think it's summarized well in verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. Always at ease, they increase in riches. So Asaph, he's considering these things. He's looking at what's in front of him. He's looking at what he's heard and he's questioning, has it been worth it? Verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. Has it been meaningless for me to follow God? Has it been meaningless for me to be faithful? Has it been meaningless for me to go to youth group? Has it been meaningless for me to go to church all these Sundays? Because as I look at life, it looks like the wicked are doing just fine, if not better. Is it worth it to follow Jesus? If the people at work who lie and are cruel and cheat get the promotions that I deserve, why would I follow Jesus then? If my roommates live however they want, do whatever they want, and have more fun, and yet they get better grades and their parents give them all the money that they want, why would I follow Jesus? If my neighbor who doesn't believe in God gets the, the newer car than me or the newer appliance than I do or, or the better house, or the, why would I follow Jesus? If all my classmates want to hang out at the house where they're allowed to do anything and I get left out every time because I want to follow God and I just am left out, why would I follow Jesus? If I'm the one who's always miserable, Everyone else seems to be doing just fine. Why would I follow Jesus? It's the question. Is following God really worth it? Or is it a waste of time, energy? Is it a waste of my life to follow God faithfully? Clearly, this is just a question graduates have to answer. As Asaph worked on this question, he considered these difficulties, this frustration found it worrisome. This was a serious concern. He was doubting what he had heard about God. And we're going to see that what he does with his doubts is actually the most important part. See, it's not wrong to doubt, but what we do with our doubts is significant. When we talk about doubting in the Bible, we think of probably one person first, don't we? Probably doesn't appreciate it, but we think of Thomas. Thomas is the doubter. When the, all the disciples said that Jesus had risen from the dead and, and Thomas wasn't there, he, he said, I will never believe unless I put my fingers in the scars. And Jesus comes to the disciples with, with Thomas is there. 
And we see how Jesus responds to Thomas's doubts. John 20, 27, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and put it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. If it were wrong for Thomas to have these doubts, these struggles, these deep spiritual doubts, I think Jesus responds differently, but Jesus comes with love and confidence and with clarity. And out of this moment, as Thomas brings his doubts to the person of Jesus, he makes what is probably the most impressive declaration of the identity of Jesus in all of the Gospels. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Thomas the doubter declared Jesus as God before anybody else did. He understood. He, he brought his doubts to Jesus, and they were cleared up. And so the point here is that doubts are not wrong, but what we do with them, who we bring them to, how, we, how much authority we give to our doubts, that's whether, where we need to go. And so Asaph has this struggle. He has his doubts. Where does he take them? Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned therein. He takes his doubts and he brings them to God, into his presence, into his word. And in the presence of God, his questions, his doubts were answered. God, why, why, do, the prosper, why do the wicked prosper and I suffer? He goes into God's presence and God shows him. As the psalm starts, it says, starts with truly God is good to Israel. In this transition moment, there's another truly. As truly as God is good is as truly as the wicked are set in slippery places and are set to fall into ruin. What has changed for Asaph? Is it that the, the wicked begin to suffer? Is it that the, the righteous begin to get the blessings? No. It's that God has given Asaph clarity. He, he's seeing things from God's point of view. He's zooming out to see the big picture. What God's people need to understand is that as they face suffering and they see prosperity of the wicked, they need to understand that this life is not all that there is. This past Wednesday, one of our elders, Daryl Painter, was sharing his testimony with our kids. And in his testimony, he, he brought out a rope. And he set the rope on the front of his stand and it, it trailed out into the, the next room. He said, this rope is eternity. This rope is your life in eternity. And at the beginning of the rope, there was a small piece of tape. It said, this piece of tape is your life. It's short when you compare it to eternity. His point was that we should not live for the tape, but live for the whole rope. The eternity, God's big picture. And so when Asaph looks at the, the whole rope, he, he realizes that the wicked are on a slippery foothold. They're on the verge of ruin. They're on the cusp of judgment. And even though things look fine for them, they're really poorly off. No one, you would not be envious of the person that stole your first class seat so that you had to wait for the next flight as that plane crashed in the ground. You wouldn't be concerned about the foot room in those moments. You would not be envious of a person who is headed towards destruction, regardless of their wealth, regardless of their influence, 
And we see, because we see that that wealth and that influence is merely a small part of the picture. But that destruction is eternal. So as God's children, we look at those people who reject God, and regardless of the fortunes that they presently have, we do not envy them. We don't long for their wealth because we see their destination, and we know our own destination. Psalms are honest, and this one is quite honest. The psalmist confesses that even in this this doubt before God, he realizes it wasn't honest. You see, if he had received blessing along with the wicked, this would not have concerned him. Or if the wicked had suffered along next to him, that wouldn't have bothered him. See, he was was caught up in the moment. He was short-sighted. Verse 22, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Some of you have animals, and sometimes animals get hurt, and sometimes when you're trying to help an animal who's hurt, it's not very cooperative. You have to wrestle with it to, to help it. It fights you. And this is the same picture here. When, when we get angry at God, when we're frustrated at God, and we're not looking at the big picture, we're not looking at things through his eyes, we are brutish and ignorant, and we are like a beast towards him. We're short-sighted like those animals trying to fight us as we're trying to help them. This transition for Asaph is also a reminder to whom he truly belongs. See, truly God is good to his people, even if it doesn't feel that way, and even when we treat God ignorantly. Look once again at the relationship Asaph has with him. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What makes it worth it is not what you can amass here during the tape. It isn't that if you follow God, you will get the best grades, you will get the best jobs, you will get the promotions, that you will have that perfect family. But what makes following God worth it is what you have already received here. That which matters for eternity. Let me put it to you one more way. Following God faithfully matters because this is who you guys are. As the church, you are God's Children, you were once in slavery and bondage to sin and death, but through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are freed from that. You are born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ, and this is who you are now. You are in Christ. Your identity is tied up in Christ, and your hope and future is in Christ. This is who you are. We have nothing spiritually but Jesus. And so it matters that you love him. It matters that you follow after him. And it is not because your works save you. Hear that clearly. Your works do not save you, but your works do reveal what you believe about what Jesus has done for you. So the encouragement for you then is to live in light of who you are. See the value in what God has changed you into and from. As Asaph realized this, he he summarizes his psalm with this statement. 
Those who are far from God will perish, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of your works. The question I started with this morning is, is following God worth it? Is it worth it when it doesn't feel like it's worth it? Is it worth it when you you have to choose to miss out on that college experience? Is it worth it when it's really difficult? Is it worth it to not cheat your way to the top of your class? How can you know that this matters? How can you know when what you see doesn't match what you hear? Psalm starts with a statement, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But the truth is, none of us are pure in heart. There was only one person who was pure in heart. And he came to earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, and he did not gain influence. He did not gain wealth. He didn't become a powerful influencer in the world, though he did. But what did he experience during his life? Rejection? Death? Betrayal? It was worth it for Jesus to live a faithful life. Or what made it worth it for Jesus to live a faithful life, I guess? Us. His children. It was worth it to save us from death. It was worth it to save us from sin. It was worth it to save us from living a a wicked life. It was worth it. We were worth it for him. How much more is it worth it for us? who are in him to seek to live faithful lives. You graduates are going to go out. You're going to see, hear things that aren't going to make sense. You're going to see wicked people prosper. You're going to see faithful people fail. But following Jesus faithfully is worthwhile because this life that we are in is not all that there is. It's not. This is the tape at the beginning of the rope that goes on forever. This is the, the mist that vanishes at dawn. We have an eternal hope. And so we do not live for this period, but we live for the next. So as you go off, we are praying for you that you would hold on tightly to this truth, that truly God is good to his people, and it is good to be faithful. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word, that it speaks to our doubts, to our questions, to the difficulties that we are going to face that you allow us to come to you with our doubts and that in your presence, in your character, in your word, you give us clarity to how things really are. So I pray that our graduates and this church would hold on to the truth that you are good, and even when it hurts, you are good, because we know that this life is not all that there is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.